Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. You're very welcome to Wednesday afternoon's late lunch on LMFM Radio. Lunchtime it is, but we're starting with breakfast. Yes, we are on late lunch today. And I'm going to make a, a huge statement here. There is no such thing as an Irish breakfast. No, there isn't. There's no such thing as an Irish breakfast. It's it's a fallacy, really. Michael Fortune is on the line. He's a brilliant man. He knows all about history and folklore. Michael, am I right or am I right? You're you're right. Uh, well, come here to me. There was all there was always breakfast now. Yeah. The, the notion of the of the, the traditional Irish breakfast with the big fry and all this. Now, this is where it'll get tricky, Jerry. You know, you'll have someone who was born in 1960 and 70s, and that's always been the breakfast. But for the older people, and I'm talking the older people, my mother and father were born in the 40s, the grandparents were born in 1910, that kind of period. And they were country people, and they were working farm, farm labour and farming people. And they they would have never had a fright. To be lucky if they got meat twice a week, they said, they always told me. And a lot of their neighbours were the same. This idea that these people sat down and had sausages and rashers and buttons and ate that in the morning to go do day's work. For the older people, um, it wasn't, wasn't absolute complete made up. It wasn't the case. So it's a, a latter day saint, should we say, or something that's come to the equation more recently. I'll tell you, I'm a child of the 70s, and I can tell you this we didn't have the morning fry up either. But I'll tell you what we had, Michael. One day a week, and maybe on a Saturday, as our main meal, we would have eggs, rashers, sausages, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And a few potatoes. And that was on that day as a main meal. But I never heard. Now, English breakfast. Yes, I think English breakfast goes back. What about Ulster Fry while we're on it? Is Ulster Fry there a while? I mean, I think, I think there's a Philip Mantram doesn't really tell me he said it's only funny from the 1980s. You know, she come here to me. You, you, you know, <laughs> when you draw when you draw a border, there's going to be you know, going to invent things, separate ourselves. You know, yeah. there's actually more to there's more there's more to connect us and divide us. I, yes. I'm a great believer in that. But I think it's a, a little bit of a kind of a you know, I'm not saying people up in up in an Antrim and Derry didn't cook up sausages and rashers. They did. Yeah. But uh, you know, you know what? If you if you true, I know that this will probably start a bit of a, 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 a civil war and you know between all between all the different countries. You know, glad to tell you there's a huge difference between the English one and the Irish one. And parking a few yolks, parking a few bits and pieces, by and large, are the same. You know, the kind of that idea yeah. of fry, the sausage, the rasher, and the pudding. I know the English don't really, the, the Northern English have the pudding and the Scots have the pudding, but but the idea that people, I suppose, really, I, I, I 
the idea that people sat down and had to speak for a, uh, it was, was nonsense. Yes. People didn't have me. People didn't have me, Jerry. That's, yeah. the, that's the bottom line. You know, yeah. the, the money wasn't there. Um, you know, we're, we're blessed now and there's nothing wrong with it. And for I have often had one, I've often had many a breakfast roll. But I just, sometimes, you know, when you're told it's traditional and you go, ah, go away a minute, will you come back? Yes. And that's the point we're making there. Maybe I should have added that as well. There's no such thing as a traditional Irish breakfast, a big traditional Irish breakfast. This is a modern, a relatively modern day invention, even though you'll see it on on menus all over the place. In fact, our friend in New York, Nigel McKenna, uh, morning Nigel, has just been on to us to say there are full Irish breakfasts on many of the New York City diner menus. So there you are. There you <laughs> well, go. Come here. It's well established now. But come here, here's what the older people, if you any of the older listeners here now, right, years ago, porridge, maybe stirabout, mm. uh, cuts of bed, bread and jam, mm. oil egg, that was a standard. Porridge, porridge and stirabout was yellow meal, what we call it down here in Wexford, and probably people up in Loudonmead might have heard that as well. But porridge was very simple, and sometimes people wouldn't even get to breakfast in the morning, they wouldn't do a few hours working to come back and get, get it then. And as you said, it was the treat at the weekend for some mm. people. Um, and you know, here's one again. This is for the older ones again. The older ones know us now. The, I remember, remember a lot of older people saying the only time they'd ever get a bit of a fry would be on Christmas morning. Mm. And that was that was seemed to be a big thing around the country. Yes. And, and and you're not wrong there either, I have to say. But I would go along with that. For us, like breakfast, well, a child of the 70s and that, we loved our Rice Krispies and cornflakes. You know what I mean? And we'd have a neg is right, an odd morning as well with toast on it. Or maybe just, you know, slice of toast and a wee bit of jam or marmalade. And that was the breakfast, Michael. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I suppose that generation, you could see that shift, the generation when you could buy cereals, you're going to get cornflakes, yes. crispies and Weetabix and that kind, of, that kind of came along and that became a kind of a standard. Mm. And again, there's, there's no right or wrong, but again, the, I'd, I'd say if you put a certain age profile into a room and, and I'd say 85% of 90% of them would all come back with the same kind of standard standard breakfast. Uh, I suppose meat, meat wasn't a thing. Like, the thing was, like people, if the, especially the country ones, again, like... They only went to town. I'm, I'm five or six miles outside the town here, and my other half's father said, "Sure, they were lucky to go to town once a month." Mm. And he was like, "He's he's eighty years of age," and he said, "That was back then." Said, we're, we're, you know, we, now we can drive into town twice, three times in one day, especially to go, you know that kind of way. Yeah, you can get your breakfast in the garage. You can pick up <laughs> yeah. the sausages and rashers and eggs and everything. And a bloody garage now. When you think of it, if some of them that are gone could come back, Michael, and see it, they wouldn't actually believe the way it operates now. But but here here's the thing. You're right as well. It was a thing that you know there wasn't the money to have this type of stuff on the table every day it certainly wasn't prepared and it was a treat uh, at weekends as I remember or as you say at Christmas time but now you see now definitely I, I don't know about Irish families today but I'd say there's very few families do a full fry during the week Michael even today that they do yeah no that they don't that they don't Michael you know what I mean like if you think about school and people getting to work and everything generally it's it's bedlam in the mornings and it's the cereal and the mug of tea and that type of thing I would even say today families don't do it but you know let's talk about you know going out if you have the where at all to go out and enjoy our breakfast from time to time this big fry is on the menu yeah, it is. It's funny you say that. Someone said to me today, it's almost like the, the, the fry is, is it's fading a little bit. It had its heyday. 
Um, but yeah, it's there. I suppose, the, the, you know what? The Breakfast Road became one of, that was, I suppose, Pat Short made it popular with, with the song, mm. but it was popular before Pat made a song. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, funny, I, I, I was talking to a food historian about it, a woman up in Offaly there, and we were trying to trace the first place we even saw Breakfast Road. And it's not, it's, even, even to get your listeners to think about that, where was the first time you saw or heard or tasted a Breakfast Road? Yeah. And she were only talking late 90s, early 90s. You know, yes. When, when, I ever, when we, we ever saw one, you know? Yeah. Um, but I suppose the mere thing Things change and things 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 move on. And um, here was one thing for your your, your listeners. I was thinking, Jerry, as well. Did many of them have white pudding? Because a lot of the older people said they only had black pudding or pig's pudding to call it, made it to blood. Mm. Um, but I, 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 a lot of the older people down here said they never really had white pudding at all. Yes, and we we can buy it now, like you buy black and white. You just buy the both of them. You have both of them now. Well, I I, I have to say we. Uh, our Louise threw this out on social media, LMFM, last night, and it got a huge reaction, I have to say, Michael. And, and in particular, people talking about what they love in their Irish breakfast, the full Irish, you know what I mean? And, and, and pudding does feature quite prominently in the responses, both black and white. But our Louise was telling me this morning that she's not a fan of uh, the black pudding, which was the original pudding. You only like, what is it, Louise? You only like the white pudding, yes? I love the white pudding. Just white? Mm-hmm. I'd mm. eat it all day long. Now, there you are, Michael. Don't uh, don't ever give her a gift of a, of a, a, a whole piece of white pudding because it'll be gone in no time, I can assure you that. But there you are. So you're saying to us that the black pudding was the traditional pudding? Yeah, it was. Even you look back to the old records, even the school's folklore scheme, or the, the old people would have called it pig's pudding. You didn't hear people calling it still a pig's pudding. Mm. But I suppose it was, it was made up to her. Now, again, don't turn up. I don't want to turn people off their lunch now, but it was made of what you use up every bit of the pig you could. Yes. So it was the blood and the barley and then whatever flavourings you put into it. Mm. And then you use the intestine then to, to pour it in. A man described it to me the other day. He said he, he saw it being done in the 60s. He was a child and he said it was done out in the open near a slaughterhouse. Uh, and he said it was just a big vat boiling up maybe four or five foot in the air and a man up on a ladder stirring it with a big plank of wood and then it would have taken a stainless steel jug and poured it into the intestine and watching it farm down and farm and then tying a knot stem. You know many years ago yeah. you had to put it in, in rings yes. and leaving, leaving it out to set then he said. But said it was some so it said it stuck in his it stuck in his mind as a child and sort of stuck it's still there. Did it put him off it? No, it didn't sure. No, sure. <laughs> even the same. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so you, 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 I, I'd be the same. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, yeah. yeah, I do. I, I do like. I do like black pudding. Now, to be fair, yes, um, yeah. So do I. So let, while I have you with me, while while we so we, we we do agree on this that the the full Irish breakfast is an invention of more recent times, as is the breakfast roll with the egg and sausage and pudding. Everything that was the Celtic Tiger era when we thought we were millionaires, and then we discovered <laughs> we were only borrowing and lending to each other, and we hadn't a shilling. You know that time? We all remember that time, of course. Yeah, we thought we were something else. Anyway, uh, and and that's where, where, when the breakfast roll came. But while I have you with me, I'm, I'm curious about this now. So you do enjoy your breakfast yourself, like myself, from time to time. So what is on your breakfast plate, Michael Fortune? What do you have to have? What does your breakfast comprise of? Oh, jeez, now you're putting me on the spot now here. I, I, I wouldn't have a fry very often. Maybe every three, four weeks I'd have a fry. Okay. Sausage, sausage and rashers, white pudding, black pudding. If there was mushrooms in the fridge, I'd I, I draw them on. Uh, I'm not too pushed on beans. Obviously, fried egg. But fairly simple, simple enough now, you know, to be fair. Yes. Uh, if, if, I, if I'm doing it. Um, yeah, no, not 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 major. Now, as I said to you, I do like a breakfast roll. Now, I do like, now and again, I'll be on the road, I get a breakfast yes. roll. Yes. 
Um, there's one always great thing as well. We always say when you go to a petrol station, whatever city, you'd always pick an older woman to get a breakfast roll because she'd see you and she'd feed you. You'd never, never, never <laughs> have to leave me. You'd always be careful who is going to give it to you. you Go down, you, Michael Fortune. Now, there's a tip for <laughs> listeners today. Don't be minding them young ones flashing their eyelids at you and everything else. Look for the mature woman when you're going in to get the breakfast roll because she'll feed you. I love it, Michael. I love it. You're a cute bio. You know your stuff. You know where to look for the best breakfast roll. And you know you're right. I, you're absolutely right. Brilliant. <laughs> So we've got a great tip from Michael Fortune this afternoon. Look for maturity when you're looking for the breakfast roll or your breakfast. <laughs> but anyway, you think the Ulster Fry could be a fairly recent invention as well. And the English, the full English breakfast goes back a little bit. It would be a, quite a, uh, you know, it'd be, it wouldn't be a, a moving feast. What they, I was looking at it this morning, you know, it has the rashes, the sausages, the eggs, uh, uh, tea or coffee with as well, a nice toasted bread. Toasted bread with plenty of butter. You need that, don't you, Michael, as well with the, with the old fry up? Yeah, you do. And again, a lot of the older people said it would have been just frying. Like, say if they did have a sausage or a rasher years ago, mostly a rasher or a pudding, whatever. Yeah. Again, you have to think, think back, like, especially, think back to the, I'll, go, I'll come back to your question about the English breakfast there in a second, right? But you think about it, someone got a pig killed years ago. The salt, the pig, they either hung it up in the chimney to smoke it or they left it salted. And go out now and again, it could be, this, this is the country one, so it could yeah. be some rasher off it and fried up. And then it, likewise the pudding, because the pudding would stay. But even the country ones t- were telling me, the older ones said, the ones that wouldn't be going in out of town wouldn't be having sausages because sure, they wouldn't be, because they wouldn't be, they'd, they'd go off. There was no, this is pre-electricity time. Yes. But one, a common thing was always frying up bread in the in the grease or a bit of yeah. drizzle. That was a common thing. Yeah, that was a, that was a done. Fried bread. All the flavours. Yes. Yeah, fried bread, yeah. You mopped yeah. up all the stuff that would block your arteries and you <laughs> just consumed it like bilio. Yes, of course, fried bread was a big thing. What about the English breakfast? What we'd to say about that. Yeah, no, it's funny. And here's again, we assume if we go to Google, they're now to tell us it's been going back to the 13th century. But even chatting to ordinary English people uh, over the last few days, because I put up that post on Facebook there on Sunday. And they did the same crack as well. They said the country ones never had, they didn't have it. You know, said it was a kind of, must have been a kind of a townie or a city thing. You know, a lot of lads who were doing late shifts or working on the docks would have to go to the kind of greasy spoon to get the breakfast. Mm. But it wasn't the ordinary everyday, everyday English person either. They said they didn't have it. Um, so sometimes, you know, we, again, sure, if you, if you go to Google, you know, you want to be, you want to take out a good, a good pinch of salt as well, you know. Yeah. Um, but it, was, it didn't seem to be the common thing there as well. Again, money wasn't there. You know, the way, you should know, now we can eat meat, uh, you know, 10 times a day if we want. To, you know yes. that in a way, but back then it wasn't it wasn't the case where we were. You know, some of us are, are blessed to have a few bob to get it, be able to go to shops and buy stuff. You know, but mm. it, it wasn't always the case for for our parents or especially our grandparents. No, no. There. So just be aware, it is a modern phenomenon created by who God knows who and it is on many menus and many places and people absolutely love it Michael Fortune thank you for joining me again you're always lovely to chat to and a mine of information enjoy your next fry Michael mushrooms and all <laughs> Thanks, sir. You're the best, Talk to you soon. Bye bye. That's Michael Fortune there, a wonderful folklorist. Okay, let's let's compare notes here, Louise. Your uh, Irish breakfast. What would be on your plate? What is your uh, preferred brekkie? Um, white pudding. Yeah. Eggs. Mm. I prefer poached eggs now than fried eggs. Um, rashers. Mm. More white pudding. Um, <laughs> rashers. Sausages. Yes. White pudding, toast, and loads of tomato ketchup. I'd say and that. And butter. 
butter, I, pure butter. I'd say that plate is just doused with white pudding. You're after mentioning oh, about four I, times. I, no, I would honestly. I'd, I'd eat a pound of white pudding. Yeah, it's pretty restricted. So your white pudding, mm. sausages, rashers, eggs. I think the eggs have to be fried, honestly. You know, I know you say poached or scrambled, but for the true breakfast be it Irish, English or Scots, right. Ulster or whatever. Is that because it soaks up the flavours from everything fry, else you know on the I mean? pan? Yeah, it's a, fry, it's a fry. You know what I mean? Mm. I, right, so for myself, do you want to know my fry? I shouldn't be having it at all, but I, I love them. I would say, for me, the ideal breakfast, yes, eggs sunny side up. Uh, I love beans with a fry. Mushrooms, pudding, black and white on the pudding side, for sure. A hash brown. I love a hash brown. Yeah. Oh, chippers. For breakfast? Oh, yeah. I love a hash brown on the breakfast, to be honest with you. And I'd say that would be me, yes. The two puddings, the mushrooms, the beans, the eggs, sausages, rashers, and a hash brown. That would be my breakfast. What's your breakfast? Uh, are you with us today on the breakfast front? What do you love on your breakfast? Uh, if there is a modern phenomenon called an Irish breakfast, what tickles your taste buds? 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text us to the show. We've loads of messages from our Facebook page. I mean, loads from last evening. There are a few, and, and you're right, a good mug of tea, Louise. Yeah. Nice toasted bread with butter, yes. And I do agree with you. I you have, have to have, have tea. Have, you have to have the tea mm. with it. And you have to have red sauce. Tomato oh, yeah. sauce. You have to have tomato sauce, I'd say, with it. Now, there are a few little outliers as well people were talking about on the breakfast plate but you know what if you're having a fry up tell us what you love on your plate if you want to call it the full Irish well whatever you would like to call it yourself let us know what you'd love on your plate when you do the big fry or you go out and buy it somewhere 086 658 by whatsapp or text what about a sliver of liver Jerry? Oh, Louise. Liver. I do like liver. But I, I like lamb's liver. For breakfast. Would you not? No, I don't There's think so. There's somebody who wants... I do love liver. Yeah, a sliver of liver on the plate. I like kidney as well. I'd have a little kidney on the... With the fry up too. I never Would thought you? of that. Chips. Chips no, are a no-no, uh, aren't they? Somebody unless says Unless you're chips. having it for dinner. Yeah, it's say the full dinner, but morning time chips. I don't think even Big Mac do chips in the morning time when they do their <laughs> they breakfast. Do asked. they? I don't think they do, to be honest with you. Fried onions, Jerry. You must have the fried onions. It just shows you what people love. Tell me, please, Louise, what is red pudding? I don't know. I'm intrigued. Is red pudding black pudding? Well, according to one of the messages, people, we've messages got there. on Facebook as well, she says definitely not black pudding anywhere. Anyway, hate it. But McCormick sausages and red pudding, definitely. Folks, help us. What is red pudding? Is red pudding and black pudding not the same? Or if they're different, what distinguishes red pudding from black Ketchup. pudding? No, <laughs> no, that is not the case. Ignore that, please. Do you know, because there's somebody else says red pudding. There, look, somebody else says yeah. red pudding. What is red pudding? What is it? Come on, tell us. I want to know more. What constitutes red pudding? What differentiates it from black pudding? Let us know. 086-1800-658. I'm really curious now, to be honest with you, when I when I see that. But, uh, oh, no, there's a lovely one. I want to read this one. Beans, potatoes, bread, soda farl. A soda farrel, isn't that lovely? Mushrooms, poached egg, tea and toast, sausage and bacon. Bob's your uncle. 
you will not be able to move after that feed, to what, be honest with you. What's a soda for? A soda bread, is it? Soda bread. I okay. think it's a sort of a soda bread. It'd be traditional as well uh, with your brekkie. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody else there talking to us about, uh, what's this one? There's another one. I love scrambled eggs made on butter with salmon slices. Beautiful, says Joanne in Rathmaline. That's a very, very posh breakfast, Joanne. <laughs> it is, yeah. Very it's good for you, though. It's not a full Irish, Joanne. Scrambled eggs, salmon. Oh my God, that's a lovely, lovely breakfast indeed. But it's not the full Irish, Joanne. But I, you love it, you enjoy mm-hmm. it. I'm delighted you do. And uh, Jerry, I'm confused as to why you only get one egg with a breakfast. You get two rashes, two sausages, two puddings, beans, mushrooms, but only one egg. Says Kevin in Carlingford. Come on, there has like to be it. more than one egg. Do you like one egg? Would you want two oh, eggs? Oh, two do you or think? three. Yeah, has to be two or three. Mm, um, for soakage. Jerry, my ideal fry is sausage, grilled tomatoes. We never mentioned the grilled or fried tomatoes. They're terrific. White pudding, poached egg, no beans, says Mina Curran in Kells. Keep them coming to us. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. I'm salivating here. I want a breakfast. Oh, the big breakfast has captured your imagination for sure. Keep those messages coming to us. We absolutely love them. 086-1800-658. If you were doing a big fry up, what would you have on your plate if you went out to buy your breakfast what would you order is there any place you love having your breakfast 086-1800-658 gets in touch with us on the show bubble and squeak it has to be says Pat with the breakfast that's cooked spuds and cabbage fried subsequently fried probably fried in the thatcher after frying the rashers in to give it flavour but Pat has to have it we're getting so many messages about McCormack's in Dundalk uh, thank you indeed to Mary Donoghue from McSwenny Street in Dundalk who says uh, they have the best Jerry. there's no doubt rashes, sausages, black and white pudding and their red pudding is sensational and there's more there on this red pudding from McCormick's we're going to talk to them in a while, we are indeed what is this red pudding, it seems to be unique to them uh, breakfast uh, has to be red pudding, there's another one from McCormick's first breakfast roll I ever had Jerry was at Fail in 1990 Oh, my word, that's not today or yesterday. On the campsite, after a failed attempt of a free breakfast in the Harry Krishna tent. <laughs> oh, you can't cut the Harrys, that's for sure. Somebody else there telling me about Kylie gyrating her bum in her gold hot pants. Thanks, Thomas. Um, I'm turned 80, Jerry, and we only had the full fry up on a Sunday morning, says Anne. And that is something we were talking about earlier on to Michael Fortune. We move on on late lunch. And I'm delighted to welcome my next guest to the show. You see, he's a Dominican priest and he's hit the news lately because he's become a YouTube creator. Check it out, Treasure Ireland. But we're going to find out more about it now. I'm delighted to welcome Father Connor. Connor McDonough to the show. Hello, Connor. Hello, Jerry. How are you doing? Thanks I, for having me. Not at all. I love, I love what you're doing. When it was uh, brought to my attention, I've been following a number of the YouTube uh, videos you've put up. Will you just explain to our listeners the concept behind this Treasure Ireland? Yeah, sure. So, uh I'm a Dominican friar, and the, the Dominicans have been in Ireland for, for nearly 800 years. So 798 years ago, we arrived, and we're all about 
communicating the gospel in all kinds of different ways, using all kinds of different media. So I was given the job about a year ago to look after our online work, all the platforms, you know, Instagram and Twitter and, and yes. Facebook and all that kind of stuff. And the first thing I said was, we've got to work with really, really good professionals. Um, and and the next thing, the next idea I had was, how about bringing the Irish landscape to life? All the different places around the country that are full of stories of, of uh, that are inspired, that entertain stories about kind of the Christian heritage of Ireland. Um, and so that's what we're doing. We're going county by county. In each place, we're doing about 10 videos telling different stories of local history. Um, and we started with, with loud <laughs> for all kinds of reasons. <laughs> yes, you did indeed. And I have to say to you, I love uh, the the ones you've done in the Wee County so far. And, and I'll tell you in a moment, I have a close connection uh, with one of them. But right. l- let's begin with the old Abbey in Drogheda. Uh, yeah. St. Mary's Durso is the proper name of the place. Just give yeah. us a little background to it. Well, it was one of, of several hospitals, medieval hospitals that were in Drogheda, and these hospitals were, were all over Ireland. Um, it's funny, I saw a video recently by a comedian about what kind of things they should build in the Middle Ages. He was pretending to be a, a medieval character, and he said, how about a hospital? And they said, oh, no, 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 we don't like hospitals. But the truth is, in medieval Ireland, people loved hospitals. Now, they weren't very advanced or anything like that. They were often very basic, like shelters maybe for people who needed a place to stay or people who had some kind of contagious diseases. Um, but St. Mary's de Ursa was founded in the 13th century by a man by the name of Ursus, and that's how it got its name. And there were friars there of an order that no longer exists, the Crutched Friars. And it seems there were some sisters, Crutched Sisters, involved as well. And they ran that hospital, supported by the people of Drogheda. Um, and the, the corporation of Drogheda was involved in, in, the, in the running of the place and its funding and so on. So it was a real collaborative effort on the part of the people of Drogheda. And you know what brought it home to me today? The regional hospital is here, of course, and uh, you know yourself, hospitals are in the news all over the country at the moment with the pressures on the health service. But you know what I got from watching what you explained? That I I couldn't believe back in the 13th century and beyond, the care, these places were supported by wealthy people as well, and it was all-encompassing, and the care was really superb. Absolutely. And even something that we might overlook, like the value of a, of a burial. So the hospital had its own burial ground and people who had no other supports knew that they would be, that they would be given a dignified burial. And that's so important. I mean, I, where I live in Dublin, unfortunately, I've, I've buried several homeless men that I knew. Um, and, and again, there was a pauper's plot where they were looked after. But that's something that goes way, way, way back uh, into, the, into the Middle Ages. Now let's move to North Loud because you're in Templetown up there and you're talking about the link between it and Syria and the Knights Templar who are a group who, am I right in saying, looked after pilgrims pilgrims as they made pilgrimages to different parts of the world? Exactly that. That was what they were founded for and they became very quickly a kind of international finance service as well because they had such good security uh, throughout all these different countries. And, And the land there in Templetown it was given to them by one of the Anglo-Norman families, the de Lacy's, Matilda de Lacy. And so you had, they would have had a farm there, they had an awful lot of animals and so on. Probably not lots of, of, of soldiers. There was only one of them there uh, at the time that it was, it was actually suppressed. Um, but uh, very interesting because so many people know the Knights Templar through computer games like Assassin's Creed. Mm. But there they were on the Cooley Peninsula and I think people are very surprised to learn that. 
and the link to the Middle East as well. It just shows yeah. you how far this reached right across the world. The other place you've been allowed, well, this is an irony. I was there yesterday and actually I have a feature coming up uh, later on in the show today ahead of the Bridget of Fahart Festival. Yeah. But you went there as well. It is a magical place. It really oh. is my first time there yesterday. But just on that, uh, pagan goddess, Christian saint. Talk to me about that. Yeah, so we, we looked at the kind of the, the historical evidence for, for Bridget not being a, a sort of a strange supernatural figure, but just being an ordinary monastic woman and a really powerful uh, founder of a community that, that survived um, you know, well into the Middle Ages. Um, and, and of course, there may have been some kind of a, a supernatural figure called Bridget as well, but we don't really know about her until much, much, much later. But we know a lot about the early Bridget. Um, and so we were really keen just to tell the story of the woman as she existed in history. But it's funny, I mean, it just shows you how loud is so rich in history because walking through the graveyard to get to her well, we pass by the tomb of Edward the Bruce, who mm. is such an important figure in Irish history and Scottish history. And there he is with, you know, no major monument or anything, but it just shows you how, how rich loud is in, in heritage. It must whet your appetite for what's to come. You're going to do this. You're going to visit, visit all 32 counties. <laughs> That's the plan. <laughs> if we keep up the energy and if I'm not given any other jobs. So we've, done, we've already done Leash and Kildare. Yeah. I, I'm planning Carlo and Kilkenny next. Um, and, and hopefully we've got to go west. I'm from Galway, so I'm determined to do, to do uh, Galway or Mayo or something like that next as well. But we've lots more planned. You have uh, big links, of course, to the Dominican. Sadly, have just left Rod in recent yes. times. Dundalk, you're in Uri as well. You know, you're very much present in this neck of the woods also. Tell us about yourself. You're a young man. How did you come to the Dominicans? Well, I, I'm, as I said, I'm from Galway, so the, the Clada Church is a Dominican church, so that's how I would have known them. You know, if we had if we, we had football on on a Sunday morning, we'd end up going to the Clada on the Sunday evening, and I got to know them there, and I noticed there was something different about their, their approach to communication, their preaching. Um, and then when I was at college over in England, I got to know the Dominicans in England as well, and that's when I really started thinking seriously about what I was going to do with my life, and the Dominicans just wouldn't go away. And, and so I, I, uh, I tried it out, and I learned about the Dominicans, Dominican saints and the Dominican order and once I came in I realised this is what I was made to do with my life you know and, um, and it's been a blessing since then very challenging all kinds of challenges but so many blessings as well and, and this latest <laughs> this latest development is just one such blessing with plenty of challenges too Oh yes indeed and it's fascinating because going back to it um, as well you know when you see what you've just unearthed well in our own week county here of County Led but what is to come I was just thinking you know what Treasure Ireland I think the Irish Tourist Board will be talking to you soon Well we're open to all offers <laughs> And if you look at our hashtags, we're trying to link in with Ireland's ancient east and the, yeah. the wild Atlantic way and all mm. this kind of stuff. There's so much, there's so much there to discover, and and very often we take it for granted. Um, and w- one of the most pleasing things is people sending us messages saying, "I pass this place all the time, and I had no idea." And hopefully, just again brings the the landscape and the urban landscape as well to life for the people who are inhabiting it. You know the saying, being a man of the cloth, uh, the nearer the church, the further from God. Is that what they say? And it is true with all this on our doorsteps that we honestly at times do not appreciate. In the teaser for Treasure Island, I, I do want to ask you about something. Oh, yes. You mentioned the oldest Bible. Tell me yeah. about that, please. Yeah, so that'll be coming up in our in our Kildare video. So um, the oldest Bible in Ireland is not it's not from Ireland. It was probably from from France or Italy, and and the reason 
I regard it as the oldest Bible, is that we have lots of other manuscripts like the Book of Kells and things, but they're never complete Bibles. They're always just the four Gospels or the five first books of the Old Testament, but never a complete Bible. You only have that in the 13th century. And so I think this is the oldest complete Bible on the island of Ireland, and it's in the Russell Library in Minute. And we have some beautiful close-ups of, of that manuscript. Really, really beautiful book. Um, so again, we look, we look forward to that too. We have a load, uh, several videos from Minute, including the, a Dundalk man, a video about a Dundalk man, um, a, a scientist whose name <laughs> escapes me now for some reason. I know him very, very well, but... Um, uh, Father Callan, Nicholas Callan, who was an inventor of the of, of several forms of batteries, and he did lots of original research in in electricity, all as um, professor of, of science in Minute. Um, so there's a, a, a little loud connection there as well. Yes, good to hear. And I have to commend you on uh, the photography and the presentation uh, of the, the videos on YouTube as well. They're, they're simply wonderful. They really are. Well, my God, you have a, a calling in your life for sure as as a Dominican, but you have another calling with this, as I mentioned, because this is a wonderfully exciting project. And I commend it to people to check it out. Treasure Ireland. Look it up on YouTube and follow uh, this man as he makes his way across the country, Father Connor. McDonough. I'm a former Dominican altar by myself, so I have a soft spot for the Dominicans and always will. Listen, I wish you well. It's lovely Thank to talk so to you today, Connor. A real pleasure, Jerry. God bless. Take care of yourself. Bye bye. Yeah, That's bye Father bye. Connor McDonough there. Lovely guy. Treasure Ireland. Look it up. It's terrific. It really is. And he's only getting going with it. Late lunch, LMFM radio. Red pudding. We get the lowdown next. Cook your frying, dripping, Jerry. And when it's all done, fire the bread in. Fry it too. Soak up everything on the pan. Wow, says a list. <laughs> Thank you so much. Well, I have to say, McCormick's in Dundalk have a huge following. I can tell you they have a huge following. We've been getting loads of messages about them today and especially about the red pudding, which I never heard of. Connor McCormick is on the line. Hello, Connor. Hello, Jerry. How are you keeping? I'm really good. Well, I'll tell you this. I'm delighted to get you because when you want to know something, you have to go to the Oracle and you are the Oracle. And many generations of McCormick's, Connor. Uh, well, I'm third generation, and my kids are fourth generation, but they're a bit young to be working yet, Jerry. Right. <laughs> and how long is McCormick's there? When did it open up? Well, it was started by my grandparents in 1937 on 33 Church Street, and we've been there ever since, producing artisan uh, quality butcher produce and uh, supplying the people of Dundalk and further afield ever since. Lovely and it's great to have a local family business thriving after all these years. Now, let's go through them one by one. I'm I'm familiar with white and black pudding. What is white pudding? What constitutes white pudding, Connor? Right, so white pudding is is very very broadly known. You know, it's bacon that's cooked with onions and spices and things like that, and then it's let to cool, and you slice it and you have it for your breakfast. Okay, mo- most people would know that, and then black pudding, which is uh, a little bit less popular. I suppose people can be a bit squeamish. It's made it's made with blood, um, and then there's uh, cloves and various other things. Sometimes barley fat, and that's cooked again till it gets firm, let go cool. 
and they're very popular for breakfast. Yeah, and there is pork in that. There is po- pork in in. The there, there's there's a small amount of pork. It's normally bovine. It's normally beef blood that's used for black okay. pudding, and the, but the fat that goes into it is normally pork blood. Okay, or so pork, is the pork fat? It, 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 there's no meat as such in black pudding, is there? No, not 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 a huge amount. No, yes, not not really. Now it depends. Some some butchers would uh, put their own spin on things. Yes, you know, and that's that's what makes us different from the supermarket. Of so we course, all, we we all do our own. We art it, and oh. it, that, that makes it unique to the area and things like that. Yes, and you keep your recipes close to your chest I know I know the oh, way it works jeepers, yeah they're, 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 they're kept they're not written down anywhere no. that they can be felt for them they're kept in the face <laughs> they're actually locked, I, locked in the back of my head Jerry you know what I was often thinking you know the code for the nuclear button that they tell you the American president you know has access to or maybe only has access to jeepers yeah. butchers and their secret <laughs> recipes for sausages oh, and oh, the jeepers, buttons very, very, t- very tightly guarded oh, more, so, more so more so than the nuclear secret that's for sure now Connor Please inform. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Me. What is red pudding? Right. Now, I can tell you only so much, Jerry. I, I know, I know, I know. This, this, it, the basics. It's, the it's basics. a big secret. But the, ba- the basics, basically, this is a recipe that my grandmother and grandfather came up with. It was, what, uh, 1938 or so. It was after we were, we were founded. And they were, they were saying, right, well, we've got a sausage and it's beautiful. So let's, let's do something that's based on that. So it's based on pork. And what we do is we add about nine different herbs and spices to that. And we mix it in, we put a bit of water in with it, and then we fill it into our own um, uh, skins, casings, and then we'll steam that. So it's a steamed pork pudding, Mm. and then we let that cool. So where white pudding is mostly bacon, our red pudding is a steamed pork pudding. So it's similar to a kielbasa or something that they would have in Eastern Europe. So then we let that cool then, and we slice it and... I tell you, it's you can eat, you can eat it straight, or you can or you can cook it, cook it like white pudding or black pudding. But it's it eclipses our white pudding. It's way more popular, and the people of Dundalk love it. 
we sell more more of that here than we sell a white button. It flies out the door. There and you go. And I'll give you a funny one, Jerry. We have a the I'm part our our association is called the the Craft Butchers of Ireland. Yeah. So hello to hello to any of our craft butcher friends out there, like uh, Kieran's and McCardles and Trainers and Coleman's all around the town, and further afield. Well, anyway, this Sunday we have our annual general meeting, which is down in Portleash. And at that, we have a big sausage and white pudding and black pudding competition. So there's big prizes and uh, trophies. But it's more about the kudos of, look, meeting your other butchers yeah. and seeing what, seeing what they're doing uniquely. Well, there's, there is no competition for our red pudding. Oh. So we, we, we have no competition oh. to put into, unfortunately. But I think that means that we get to win the gold prize. What every think, year, <laughs> every year, you are the winners. You're like Man City in England, although I hope it changes <laughs> to red this year to, to, to match your pudding for the Gunners. But listen, how do you get the red colour? Why is it called red pudding? Well, years ago, we used to dye it, and um, so we, we would have a big vat of, of dye made up, and it would be made with, um, uh, it was made with animal intestines. That's what the, the skin used to be. Yeah. So we, we would cook it, and then we'd dye it, and that's why it was that red, red colour. Now, the, the red colour was only for uh, decoration, I suppose, but it stuck with it. So nowadays, we get our uh, red pudding skin manufactured by a company called Fispack, which are down the country. So that's, that's a plastic casing, and you cut it off before you eat it. I see. And so what we colour? Had, we, had, we had to keep it that colour. I understand. You know, that, that's oh, the yeah. way it is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so so within, the, within the casing, what colour is it then? A pale colour? It's a pale colour. Yeah, it'd, like okay. it'd, it'd be like a pinky white colour. Yeah, oh, grand, grand, grand. That's fine. Yeah. Just to clarify that, where it got the red from. Oh, you could not let that red skin disappear. Oh, oh that would be... No, and, oh. and, our emblem, and our emblem is on every single piece of it. Our emblem is a, is a, <laughs> a character called the Dancing Pig, and uh, he, he's, our, he's our company logo. And he's there to to show that we're we're vibrant and we're going, and the the culture and the history and tradition are there. God, this is just a great little story. It really is. I love it, and I have to say. Uh, nothing nicer than to have a fry up uh, at the weekends and enjoy it, you know. And to, to try something new is really special. I got to try our red pudding now. Oh, and Jerry, we'll get we'll get some up to you for tomorrow. We'll uh, see, listen up with the courier this afternoon. <laughs> uh, listen, you're so kind. I I got it. We got to try it because you know when it's fascinating to me now to hear that it is because I remember talking last year perhaps to Eamon Doyle here, who's uh, one of your own there, and he said to me it's red pudding, and then I said no, it's black pudding, and. We sort of didn't focus on it until today. It's all come to light for sure yes, that red yes. pudding is different to black pudding, totally different altogether. And listen, have you, you've won for your sausages, I take it, and that as well. So they're talking here about your sausages and everything. They said, oh, they said, well, that's well, fingers crossed for me for the weekend, Jerry. We're done for competition. Now, there's 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 lots of competition. Lovely. There's so many so many talented butchers all around Ireland. They all. You know, we put in so much effort to make our sausages unique and uh, I suppose for most of us it's not even about the competition, it's the camaraderie of meeting each other and seeing what new recipes we could bring yeah. back to our own, our own shops. And uh, I was talking to your, your, your producer there, Louise, and uh, her relative is Charlie from Lorenzen's over at Navin, I'm yes. sure. He's a, he's a good friend of ours and we're delighted to say hello to him as well. Ah, great. You're, you're great people and we got to support our artists and local butchers because they are the, at the very heart of our communities. They're flying in this, Barry Griffin. McCormick's Butchers, second to no one else in the world, says Barry. <laughs> Aha, your odds on for the gold medal this weekend down at the big awards. Anyway, you're so kind to join us, Connor. 
good luck with everything you do and best of luck the weekend in the competition. Nice to talk to you, Jerry. Thanks for your Take time. care of yourself. Not at all. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Conor McCormick there joining us from Dundalk this afternoon. Well, there's only one song for us. Here we go. I do eggs, too such too rash, too big and too put my back on white. Oh, stack like a chair and top of each other and round up good and tight. If you have some day to mince off a day of ain't sugar in the bone, say she, do you want some sauce and that? Say, say, are you doing my own? It's a very special time in Ireland and especially for the people of Fahart because our new bank holiday is marked this year for the first time and it celebrates the life of St Bridget. And I have to say I'm absolutely thrilled to come to the shrine of St Bridget in Fahart today. It's the first time I've ever been here and I can tell you already I'm so impressed. It's a magical place as we stand beside the stream here and hear the water flow. Dolores Whelan... You and I go back a, a few lot, years. A lot. I was trying to remember when. Was it 2009? It's back then, yeah, at yeah, least yeah. when we spoke first <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. on the show. And yeah. you've always been a tremendous devotee, advocate, supporter of Bridget. What does this mean this year, this huge step forward with the bank holiday? Well, I think it means that there's a huge change in consciousness, that the feminine consciousness which Bridget represents is actually moving in from the edge where it has been for many millennia in towards the centre and in Ireland I think it's that we're honouring the matron of Ireland we've always honoured the patron Patrick and he did a lot of good work but I often say Patrick came into Ireland Bridget came out of Ireland and she came out of the the lands and out of the stories and out of the thousands of years of civilization in this country so she's a very different energy it's much more I suppose natural it's more of who we are. And that's not an either or. Patrick, he did great work, you know. But Bridget is different. First of all, she touches our hearts in a way that I think Patrick probably touched our heads with really great ideas. But, you know, I think Bridget is the heart and the heart of the spiritual tradition of this country. When you contemplate this time in 2023, you'd have to believe that there's something has made this happen, you know, this bank holiday, and it's ours now forever. Yeah, well, I think what makes it happen, and this is one of the things that I've said over and over again, it's a foolish centre that ignores the margins, and it's the role of the margins to influence and redefine the centre. So what has been happening is that the energy of Bridget has been rising over the last 20, 30 years in all kinds of places. Like, we set up this festival in 2007, I think it was, and we were at that time called Brathbridge and Brathbridge is the Bridget's Mansell and it was a really small event but we kept going and we had lots of roadblocks but we kept going and adding a little bit so what we were doing was in a way speaking to the consciousness that was on the edge and it was getting more confident and moving more towards the centre so now we have the bank holiday and you know I said this so many times I gave a talk in Kildare in 2004 and in the middle of the talk I said with real tongue in cheek to Mary Minahan who's one of the great Brigidine sisters if I ever become President of Ireland I will immediately inaugurate Bridges Day as a bank holiday and I didn't have to become President of Ireland <laughs> because what, what we tapped into was the energy was that was rising and if you want to be successful in what you're doing you have to notice what's rising in the culture and so there was a rise in the devotion to Bridget as the holder of the divine feminine within this culture Roisin Cotter, lovely to see you thank you for joining us at the Shrine today tell 
listeners, will you, of Late Lunch, where we are and what this place is about and what is here. Okay, Jerry. Well, it's lovely to be here with you. Farhart, I suppose we look at it as two sites, two sacred holy sites. And we're standing at the shrine this morning, so we're beside Bridget's Stream. So Bridget's Stream is a beautiful stream that runs down through a beautiful glade of beech trees um, from the very top where there's a little font where you can come and get your holy water. Uh, follow the stream down and it crosses the road and it goes down into the bottom part of the shrine and then it meanders along into a field. But along that stream there are some amazing holy stones. And these stones are linked into some of the stories of St. Bridget and some of the legends associated with St. Bridget. And I think they're an amazing place to go and feel a really wonderful energy. And they're a lovely place to bring kids. A lot of time in school, they learn some of these great stories about St. Bridget. What she did at Fahert, she was born here. She grew up here. There was lots of events that shaped her life here. She was involved in the land. She's always involved in the land. She brings the spring, after all, Bridget. She's very important to all the farmers and to the likes of me. I'm a gardener. When Bridget's day comes, your heart lifts, your spirits lift, because you know the light's coming back and the land is becoming fertile again and it's all about new life and regeneration. So you can walk down to those stones and actually there's a board to tell you what the stones are. And the great story linked to those stones is the story of when Bridget was a young, beautiful young girl and the local king wanted to marry her, chieftain wanted to marry her and he came after her down to the stream on his horse. So Bridget was down kneeling at the stream and she saw him but she didn't want to marry him because she wanted to be her own woman. In that respect, we could look at her as being one of the the first feminists in the country. So she was down at the stream, she knelt down on some of the stones. So there's a knee stone where she knelt down. So then she went along and she plucked out her eye because she wanted to disguise herself from the king so he wouldn't recognise her. So she plucked out her eye and then she was disfigured and looked different and her eye dropped onto one of the stones and that's the eye stone. And there's a little indent in that stone where water gathers and if you go down there and take some of the water and rub it on your eyes, it's a cure for ailments that affect your eyes. And he came along in his horse and then the horse came and put his hoof down on the stone and the imprint is there and that's the hoof stone. So we have all of that wonderful legend here around the shrine. And then we have our other site, which is the Hill of Fahert. And that's where Bridget's Well is. And there's an old graveyard and there's the ruins of a medieval church, 12th century church. But we know that site's actually very ancient because it was originally um, an Iron Age fort. The top of the hill was a huge fort. And a very strategic location, as I was just talking to you about earlier, where you could see everything that was happening. You could look out at the plain of Merhevna. You could look back towards Schlieve Gullion and the Irish up there. You could look towards Cooley and the Irish up there. So if there was anyone coming to attack you at all, you could see them from all angles. And that's why the hill is so important as well. So two very, very important signs that are linked together by Bridget. Do you operate as a guide here? Well, I have done, actually, in the past. And I will be during the festival. I will be bringing um, on our new bank holiday on the Monday. I'm doing a tour of the two sites. So we have a tour on the bank holiday Monday. And we also have a tour on the Sunday. But all of these details are on our website. If anyone's interested, we've loads of events starting on the 29th. If you have a look at bridgetofahert.ie you'll see all of the events. But we also have a Facebook page where you can follow us and we have our events listed as well. 
So all the information is up there, a whole week long of events. That was fascinating, may I say. I feel like a schoolboy again out here on a tour. <laughs> well done, dear. I love it, I love it. Let's move on and have a chat with another lovely lady who's with us here this morning, Stephanie O'Hanlon. Good to meet you. And you are of this place. I am. I was born in Fahert, a couple of miles from here in Fatima. Yeah, so I'm off here. What does this mean to you, this elevation of Bridget and the bank holiday and the focus on Fahert? As a local, you know, as one of the people here, we're very attached to Bridget. You know, we grew up with Bridget. We were putting our prams and pushed out to Bridget uh, for every ailment. You know, she's a real, the sense of healing, I suppose, and comfort is what the local people got from Bridget. We've always honoured her. The bank holiday is for other people who don't know about her, maybe. But we're, we're so delighted that the recognition and for you to be here in Fahard, because Fahard mightn't get as much press or a lot of people don't know about it, even from, you know, within the, the counties that surround us even, you know. And as yourself, you said, this is your first time here. So for that reason, to attract more people here and feel, as you can feel, the energy is very different here. We only walked up the road and already you're, you're lulled into this beautiful sense of calm and peace in the energy in these beautiful trees of the healing trees, the healing that comes off these trees and from the water. Yeah, we're, we're very blessed to have been born in this. I'm very blessed to have been born close to this beautiful site. I did say to you walking up with the three of you, the calm and the peace and the quiet and the stillness, you can just get it, it just hits you straight away. Now, the festival and you have a lot going on over the coming days, etc. Tell us about your involvement and your role. One particular aspect of this you are uh, very much part of. We've lots of events, as Roisin and Dolores have said, and we c- you can see them on the website. Uh, one of the ones I'm involved in is the Healing Day, which we've held every year before COVID. And it's a very special day, and we create a really special, sacred place, bringing the, the energy of Fahard into inside and hold that healing energy for anybody who would like to drop in. You don't have to book, you just drop in, and there's lots of healers there with different modalities, from Reiki to reflexology, Indian head massage. And the other lovely thing about it is you can just come and sit in this space and meditate with us and hold that energy and it's a beautiful day people have found it really really healing to to come even just to sit in the energy if not to take a part in a healing session and i think for bridget what i know of her the healing quality and that means healing in every dimension Mm -hmm. and for communities and for the world if we're part of a healing tradition things will get better. Things will rise above what we find heavy on our hearts and in the world. So I think that's why Bridget and her healing energy is so special. And so needed at this time when we see what's happening in the world and especially in Europe and the war in Ukraine. And we were talking earlier, Bridget's energy reaches out into Europe. It does. And we have a wonderful talk on one of our events, Barbara Brosch and Katerina They're coming from Germany to give us a talk about Bridget of Europe. 
So it's fabulous. And myself and Dolores have been to Germany and seen some of the sites there. And so she spreads her cloak worldwide. Yes. <laughs> it's great to hear. It really is. From we fart here in North Loud, just outside Dundalk. Stephanie, wish you well. Lovely to meet you here today. You Thank too, you so Jerry. much. Thank you so much. Thank Back you. to Dolores. My God Almighty. The energy this morning. I'm feeling, I'm really feeling it. Good. That's great. <laughs> it's really good that you're feeling it, Jerry. I think part of what we need to say is that, you know, we spend so much time in our heads. But when you come to a place like Fahard, you can only experience it if you drop from your head down down into your body and particularly into your heart. And I remember some, one very holy person said, actually it was Meister Eckhart in Germany, God can't catch us unless we rest in the unconscious room of our hearts where the arguments stop and you feel it. If we were trying to analyse where we are now, we'd be stuck in our heads. But what we're doing is we are here embodying the beautiful energy of this place. I come here all the time when I'm feeling uptight or stressed or I'm coming out the road and I'm at the Ballymac roundabout and she says come up and say hello you know and she does quite often and it's such a beautiful place and I walk around and I drink a little drop of the water and I'm a different person and you know you can say that's superstition I don't mind it works and it's like you know we live in a many many dimensional world as Stephanie said healing happens on all different levels we tend to in our society only focus on the mental and the physical but there's the emotional and the spiritual and that's where all the change has to happen so when you come to a place like this the spiritual place that's what begins to rise in you and you go away different yeah thank you so much Jerry, and thank you for always being such a supporter of the Bridget Festival and of all many other things the Bridges Way pilgrimage and uh, many many other things Jerry is one of those people who is interested in community and empowering people that's been, always been my experience with you Jerry. thank you from the bottom of my heart and thank you Dolores Whelan for those very kind words again and I want to say a big thank you to Dolores herself, Stephanie O'Hanlon and Roisin Cotter, who I spent a most enjoyable couple of hours with yesterday in Fahard at the Shrine. And I encourage anybody listening today to go there if you haven't been there. It's simply beautiful. And especially at this time, uh, with the feast coming up on the 1st of February and our new bank holiday on the 6th as well. It's just a wonderful, wonderful place to go. And if you want to find out more about the festival, it runs from this Sunday, the 20th. 29th until the uh, 6th of February, the bank holiday Monday itself. You can get all the information as you heard there on bridgetoffohart.ie. That's bridgetoffohart.ie. And they're on Facebook as well, too, and across social media. And Dolores asked me to mention to you don't forget on the eve of St. Bridget, the day before the first, make sure she told us before to stick to the uh, tradition of putting out a piece of white or red cloth on the grass or on a hedge on the eve of Bridget so that she can bless it as she passes through and keep it with you through the year. That's a lovely, lovely tradition just to mention. You should do that for sure. And I'm going back uh, to St. Bridget on St. Bridget's Day here in the show because I'm going to go back there to those wonderful stones and we're going to hear more about them on the 1st of February. Breakfast in Knockbridge for Barney is four rashers, three sausages, a soda farl, potato bread, fried bread and beans. Four to five times a week. 
there's a man that's eaten well. Pat and Tully Allen, eggs, rashers, sausages, fried or grilled tomato, black and white pudding, soda farl fried on the pan or a potato left over from the day before, fried crispy, looks like a toasty, red sauce, tea and a glass of freshly squeezed orange juice. Pat and Tully Allen, you wouldn't be able to move. I'd be fed for the week on that. What a breakfast that is. And finally, Joan says, I would have sausage, bacon, mushrooms and scrambled eggs and toast. I love Sizzlet and RD too, Jerry. They're great for a breakfast. Thank you, Joan. Lovely to hear from you. And there's more there besides their breakfast. You can't bait the fry up. Be it an Irish traditional big fry breakfast. Now, Fahard, how do you get the Fahard, Jared? Well, I'll tell you how you get to it. The M1, if you're heading north or south, it's exit 18. Exit 18 off the M1 motorway. And if you're heading north, you just take the first exit off the exit. So as soon as you leave the motorway, take the first exit there at the start of the roundabout out under the main uh, Dublin Belfast Railway Bridge. It's about a mile up there on your left-hand side. Well worth visiting. Fiona Callum was on to me from Drogheda Pantomime Society to thank everybody who've supported their pantomime Mother Goose so far. It's just been terrific. They're uh, just bowled over by the support they've got from the local community. Next Sunday's the final show, sold out, but there are limited availability and tickets for Friday and Saturday, and you can pick those up from the Barbican Centre. It's at the Barbican Centre in Drogheda, and they'd be delighted to see you at their final shows. Big thank you to David Carey as well. Meant to say it yesterday. He sent me in a beautiful picture of snowdrops in his garden. That man is so talented. He really is. And enjoying his new vintage car too, I have to say. Anyway, late lunch, about ten past three every day we do this. Five, four, three, two, one. Counting down the top five songs from this week of yesteryear. And today it's number three from January 2006. And this guy was on the crest of a wave at the time. When I tell you that this song we're going to hear today became his ninth but final consecutive top five hit in the UK. So it was a big hit for this guy again. And he was such a hit back then in 2006. But shortly after that, he faded into the background. Yes, I'm talking about Will Young. Remember him? Another big winner from the talent show world. Well, here it is. It came into the UK charts at number three on this week in 2006. Never rose any higher. But it is from Will Young. All-time love. Till an all-time love Cause nothing else is good enough I want an all-time love To find I don't believe that it's a failing I don't believe that it's a fall Cause if everything were plain sailing Oh, tell me what would there be left to exhort Young To find me Number three in our top five countdown from this week in January 2006. And we move on on the show run about this time tomorrow to your number two. And then, of course, the one on Friday. Final break of this uh, midweek Wednesday afternoon on Late Lunch. And afterwards, I'm joined by a man who can rustle up a fine Irish breakfast. 
as they say in that famous programme with the big black chair I've started so I'll finish I started with the uh, Big Irish Breakfast of course which you've established is a relatively recent phenomenon and today we're going to finish with it on the show because you see a number of you were in touch uh, when I mentioned where do you go or where do you enjoy your breakfast and a number of people mentioned Dave's Diner on the south side of Drogheda and the man who serves up a wonderful breakfast joins me David McLaughlin hello Good morning, Jerry. How are you today? I am very good, even though it's afternoon and you're still in the morning, you see. You're thinking of the breakfast on the pan early in the morning. That's what you're if thinking. If we're still. talking about breakfast, we have to be talking morning now, Jerry. Get will you? Come on. <laughs> <David>. <laughs> Great. Thanks for taking our call. Because we have got a number of mess. You say you've got to talk to the guy in Dave's Diner. You're in Smithstown, is it? Smithstown, yeah. It used to be the Smithstown Cafe. Yeah. And uh, for the crack, I changed it to Dave's Diner. Good man. How long are you there? Well, would you believe two months before, 2019, November. Uh, two months before the pandemic. Two oh, months. Dave, what did you do? You sure chopped, did you, when you had oh, to? I, I had been, you see, it was tight enough to start, so I'd done all the work myself, painting and that, a lot of it. And, uh, yeah. I just got through it and uh, had to sit back for a few months. But mm. look, everyone went through it. There was nothing special about me. Yeah, I know. It was the same across hospitality. Where you are, I know it now. It was, it's a real landmark because the truckers, when that was the main Dublin Belfast road, my God, that place had some reputation. Yeah, we used to do a lot of truckers. Not not so much now. The only truckers I get now would be lads who'd ring up and say, Dave, can I park there with you for the evening? Yeah. And get me, have a steak sandwich ready for me when I get in. And i just right. drop it out in a tray to them and they'd stay there overnight, you know? Yeah, but you're still a very good passing trade. That's a busy road. Huge. 22,000 cars pass here each way, each day. Wow, that is... So, you know, it's the, I mean, I don't know, whatever it is, the motorway, it's the access to the motorway from Drada isn't really fantastic. You're either got it at the end of Trinity Road, you know, yeah, and then you've got it up, you know, halfway through the town. It's just yes. getting out onto it, I find. People don't want to pay the toll either, so happy mm. days. They come by here. Actually, come 8 o'clock in the morning, the queue is up to here from Jordanstown. There you go. Anyway, you're benefiting from it. What time do you open in the mornings at? I open 9 to 3 only. I used to open 6 to 6. But yeah. Look, I had to cut down because of the price of gas and the price of yep. electricity. Mm. And that wasn't only recently, like that was that was over a year ago. But it just I'm only doing trade in that in, in those hours. Yeah. So I I'm 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 bed bound myself at the moment. Just uh, bad hip revisions, but um once I'm back in there I'll be able to do a lot more, you know. Ah, of course, of course. Um the Irish breakfast, so popular. What do people, what is the mainstay of what you say? What does everybody, is common to everybody's plate really on breakfast? Well, the mainstay is something different. And I have the, the big D. And the big D comes on a silver prison tray. So if you look on Dave's Diner Ireland, you can see the big D there. Okay. Plus, I've been working for the last, well, 10, 10 11 years pre to this in the Monster Boys Inn. And... It's all big food. Like okay. Monster Voice Inn is big food. Yeah. You're going to go there. You're not going to go out hungry. No. And I, I've been working in places like that for years. Kelly Strand Hotel, all that kind of way. And it was always good, big portions. And that stood to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Don't be mean. Okay. And I love... You're, you're my type of guy for sure. So you don't hold back. You put a good uh, meal on a plate, a good breakfast on a plate for people. So you're talking what? Sausages, rashers, eggs, pudding? Two sausage, two bacon. Now, remember, our sausages are homemade by a supplier. Okay. For us. Our bacon is cut specially thick. Our pudding is made specially. And then instead of the one and two... I mean, we charge... I think it's 12 euros for the big D. You yeah. Get, 
as much tea and coffee as you want or tea and toast. Now, you won't get the premier coffees like lattes and all that. They're yeah. 350 Nothing I can do about that. I just have to have them there for people because this coffee thing is mad. People go mad for coffee. Yes. But uh, it's the fact that you pay 12 euros, you can eat as much of that as you want, really. You know, you get extra yeah. toast if you want. Mm. I don't believe in charging for extra. For That's where they catch you up on, like... Some people are going to have two or three cups of tea. Some people are going to have one or three slices of toast or mm. four. Never more than four. Mm. I mean, what does it cost you to give an extra few? Nothing. And you know, I would say I love the mug of tea with the, with the, the fry-up as well. So come back to the plate. Two sausages. Go through what's on the big D. Tell us. Two big sausages. Two, um, like, gammony rashers. Two eggs. Beans. Homemade hash browns, which I make here on site myself. Um, then beans, and I add a little bits of extra into the beans, and then mushrooms, fresh m- mushrooms, and uh, I use only use beef tomatoes because they're so much more sweet and mm. it just looks well on the plate. And that's it. That's the big D on the silver. Um, on the, the silver <laughs> breakfast tray, the, the prison tray. You know? And, you know, people sometimes say, oh, it's prison, it's not, you know, holiday associated, it's a bit of fun. Yeah. Now, listen, and, and, I want you to be honest with me. I'm going to put you on the spot, okay? But I, I want an answer to this. With that breakfast, fried eggs are the match. Fried eggs is what it's all about. Does it, I won't say the word on this time of the day, does it annoy you a little if people look for scrambled or poached? Probably to all the people out there, when you're in the midst of serving 50, 60 breakfasts <laughs> when everyone comes in at once yeah. and somebody says, and you know, I get given two eggs and someone says, can I those two eggs scrambled, please? <laughs> I, I want to curse, but I can't because I know I'm right No, on don't. Air. I was going to say something as well. <laughs> Let's keep it country. Right, yeah. Right. In my head. <laughs> beep, 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 So... What kind of reaction do you think that is? I get it. I get it. So listen, folks, go with the flow. Get them fried, whatever you way, sunny side up, whatever. But when you ask the scrambler, the poached especially must drive you mad. But come on. Anyway, I know you'll do it. You'll do it. You're a fine man and your staff that you'll do it, won't you, if you have to? Always, because that's the same as the Monster Boys. The Monster Boys never say no. No, never. And I learned that from them. And it's it's a great way to be because that's where you get your regulars back. Omelette's here flying out I mean the omelette is huge it's all on the site there you know what I mean the pictures of them and uh, another thing you go beep 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 (laughs) when it comes in because it does take 10-15 minutes to cook you know yeah I know I know but look that's the the name the nature of the game and the name of the game as well I'm delighted the only thing I will say to the people is relax yeah you know because I cook my bacon fresh my sausages fresh everything fresh yeah so Fra- you're going to be waiting half an hour, guys. Yeah, Frankie goes to Hollywood. Relax is the word for don't sure. Dave. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Dave, you're a top man. You've got many recommendations from us today. Wish you well in the future. Dave's Diner, Smithstown on the south side of Drodden, the old M1. He'd be delighted to welcome you there. Thank you for joining us and giving yeah, us a take. Thank you, Jerry. And business. remember, you're only as good as your staff. That's it. So Thanks, true. Buddy. Thanks, Dave. Bye. Thanks for joining me. That's David McLaughlin there, just to get a feel for somebody who, you know, does it professionally, serves up the breakfast and a good one at that too, I have to say. Thank you to everybody. There's been so many in touch with us today uh, about the uh, big brekkie uh, and more besides. We love your company each day and thanks for contacting us. Let me tell you, tomorrow on the show, Sharon Kilgan is joining me to talk about... The unbelievable time she has to go through by times at the hands of people 
who, you know, hassle her. It's, the, it's more than hassle, to be honest with you. But she's going to tell us her story on the show tomorrow. Dermot Good is with us. Remember Dermot? He's an expert in health insurance. You've got to listen to him tomorrow. He's a brilliant, brilliant guy. So if you have any questions on your health insurance, Dermot Good will take them on the chin tomorrow. And he's back for his... Uh, First appearance of the new year. Rick Cronje with his Vino recommendations is with us on the show and more besides. Eddie Caffrey's on his way here on LMFM Radio with The Drive. Stay with us. Wonderful music and lots more besides. And we're off now to get ready for tomorrow straight away. The wheel keeps on turning. Yes, 1.30 tomorrow, Thursday, late lunch. It's a date. Are you listening? you be there. We'll be here. We'll see you then. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.